Could our long national nightmare finally be over? Could John Angelos really be selling the Orioles to local billionaire David Rubenstein? We'll talk about it coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, December 7th, 2023, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and once again, for the second straight night, we are coming to you live, a second consecutive live edition of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Did it for the first time ever on Wednesday night, after earlier in the day, the Orioles had signed their closer for 2024, bringing in Craig Kimbrell on a one-year $13 million deal with a team option for 2024. I thought, hey, this is big enough news to go live for the first time. Well, we may have gotten some even bigger news. Now, this isn't cemented yet. This is early talks, but Bloomberg coming out with a report earlier in the day on Thursday that made a lot of people, a lot of Orioles fans, including myself, very, very happy. Jillian Tan was the writer at Bloomberg who breaks the story that David Rubenstein, a local billionaire, is reportedly in talks to acquire the Orioles. Let's let that sink in for a moment. So the first thing off the bat is this has not happened yet, right? There is no agreement to sell. They have not sold the team. We do not know really anything besides David Rubenstein. He has a lot of money and he's interested in buying the O's. That's it. We don't even know if on the flip side, Angelos is interested in selling or if he even has the ability at this point to sell the team at this juncture. We'll get to all of that later, how the lease plays in, right? How the Masson dispute plays in, if this is really going to happen, how Peter Angelos and his health plays into the entire situation. But first, let's start with how plausible this is, why it's plausible, and who this guy is. His name is David Rubenstein. Estimated net worth of $4.3 billion. That is billion with a B. The estimated net worth of John Angelos is about $2 billion, so he is twice as rich as John Angelos. And we know John Angelos doesn't like to use his money at all, really doesn't have it stored up in other businesses. We know he didn't pass the bar, so doesn't have that lawyer income coming in. Whereas Rubenstein has a lot of money coming in. Now, the Orioles, they have been valued by Forbes, I believe earlier this year, at $1.7 billion. That is kind of the guess on what it will take to buy them. Rubenstein is a guy who has the money to do that. Now, where does this money come from? He's the co-founder of the Carlisle Group, which is, and I don't understand what a lot of these things mean, but it is a global private equity firm. I don't pretend to know anything about the economy or how billionaires operate, but this is essentially a company, a group, an organization founded by a bunch of rich people back in the 80s that has just grown and grown and grown and made more and more and more money where you can't even pull it together in your head how much money they've made. Back in 2015, at that point, they were the largest private equity firm in the world. Currently, they are the fifth largest. Yeah, they've gone down a little bit. That is still insane. The firm itself, now it's not just overseen by Rubenstein. There's plenty of stakeholders in it. He's just one of the co-founders. But the firm itself, according to the internet, 
has amassed $373 billion in assets. Let me say that again. $373 billion in assets. Now, Rubenstein does not have access to all of that. I don't know much about the economy, but I do know that. That is not all his money. That is in the company. That is other people. But if you just think about it like this, net worth $4.3 billion, and some of that goes with you know his shares in that company. Imagine if he sold off some of his shares, his parts, his whatever of the Carlisle Group and used that money to focus on the Orioles. He would have plenty of money to buy the team, run the operations, and spend on players. I will tell you that right now. Now, the Carlisle Group, what is that? Again, I don't pretend to know exactly what's going on here, but essentially, this is a group of rich people who invest their money in different things. And they have their money in a lot of different places. They make a lot of money in a lot of different places. I hope all of it is above board. You never really know. Also, it's not in the most clean-cut ways to make a profit. But generally, when you have billionaires who are making this much money, it never really is, right? Now, the Carlisle Group, things you can see that they do is they also have a PAC, a political action committee, where they donate money to candidates, generally House of Representatives and Congress. And essentially, they are giving money to people as campaign donations, but the way those deals work is they are asking for something. They are wanting them to lobby. They're lobbying themselves. They're wanting those politicians to vote on certain things. That's kind of how a lot of this works behind the scenes. And they've kind of donated evenly to Democratic and Republican politicians just to serve their own interests. They're not as much lined up with a party as they're lined up with their own interests of making money. That is what happens with billionaires. I'm not going to simp for a billionaire. If you know me, you've listened to this podcast, you know I am never going to do that. But the situation just from the financials seems like a better situation than John Angelos. And here's the thing, right? Does David Rubenstein seem like the worst billionaire in the world? No, he does not. He is from the area. He grew up in Baltimore. He now resides in Bethesda, so in Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C. He went to city, went to high school right here in Baltimore, has lived in the area for a long time. He did go to Duke for college, which is a huge hit against him. But remember, John Angelos also went to Duke. So, you know, can't go much worse than that. Rubenstein was a lawyer after he graduated, went to law school, and then he got a job with the Jimmy Carter administration as a domestic policy advisor. All right, sure. And basically parlayed all that power into making money and investing and then starting this Carlisle group back in the 80s. He now lives in Bethesda. He now has more money than he knows what to do with. He is seen pretty regularly on Bloomberg. And that is where the story was reported, which gives you a little more of an inclination that this is legitimate because he has so many relationships with Bloomberg, and that's the outlet that reports the story. He hosts two shows, and one of them is like an interview talk show where he talks to some of the richest people in the world, and it's like a big-time show. Like, you can watch them on YouTube. They, they, I believe, might show up on CNBC, but mostly on YouTube and on Bloomberg News. But, I mean, he's interviewed, like, Oprah Winfrey and Bill Gates and Hillary and Bill Clinton on this show and also Kim Kardashian 
and Alex Rodriguez, which uh, for the tipping pitches heads out there, um, trying to get to Bobby and Alex that, uh, yeah, we got an Alex Rodriguez and a possible owner of the Orioles interview out there on YouTube, 24 minutes. I'm going to be watching that one after I finish up with this live podcast. But he also donates a lot of his money and he's kind of taken a, a pledge that a lot of billionaires took a few years ago to be more bigger philanthropists and donate more of their money. And he has donated a lot of money to kind of the DC, Maryland area, which is also a good thing. Like grew up in Baltimore, went to high school there, lives in the area, donates a lot of money here, tells you he's not going to be looking to move the team anywhere, right? If he buys the Orioles, he's donated like hundreds of millions up to billions of dollars to, you know, the upkeep and the additions to a lot of the museums and the monuments in DC, a lot of different libraries and art galleries around the area. And, He's done a lot to preserve that. He's also a collector of like rare old historic documents. And he has like copies of some of the most famous documents in history. He also has, there were two copies made of the Magna Carta in what the 1500s in Britain, I believe. He bought one of those copies for $21.3 million all the way back in 2007. So in today money, that's like 30 million or more that he spent on a copy of the Magna Carta. And he does loan out a lot of these things he buys to museums in the area. And first of all, I got a shout out to Mark on this comment right here. Hopefully he's a collector of young talent on the baseball field. Yeah, that's a good one too. But, you know, it's at least nice that a lot of these billionaires who collect these things just keep them in their homes where no one else can see them. It's nice that he at least gives to the museums. He seems to be someone who gives away his money. I mean, I'm stretching here to say a billionaire is doing a good thing because there's also some things not so good that he has done in his past as well. And that's a billionaire for you. Essentially, the long story short of David Rubenstein is he is worth a lot of money. He co-founded a company that is worth a lot more money. As I said, almost $400 billion in assets that the Carlisle Group has. And you don't want to look too far into some of the things that they're doing. But in general, every billionaire is bad across the board. So what you're trying to get is a billionaire who's less bad than the others. And what you're also trying to get is someone who spends their money on your team. You kind of know at this point, the owner's going to be Mostly a bad person. But if they're spending on your team and helping the team win, you can kind of forget about that stuff. That's just how sports works, especially in Major League Baseball. So if he can do that, he can wipe away a lot of the bad that John Angelos has done. But coming up next, let's talk about the process, right? Because he can be interested as much as he wants. He can, you know, wave $2 billion in the face of John Angelos and say, I want to buy the Orioles. But there's still a process here, and there's a lot of layers to this situation. And that's why in the story from Bloomberg, they reported that, hey, this is in the early stages. It could still fall apart. And if something got done, it wouldn't be till like mid-2024 as well. So we'll talk about that process and what the next steps would be. That is coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, we are certainly waiting for the Major League Baseball season to get back. But until then, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 just if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. 
The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So the big news of the day in Birdland here on Thursday as we do our second straight live episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Make sure to leave your comments, questions, concerns about any of this. We'll get to some of them throughout the pod. We'll get to some questions at the end of the episode as well. And again, if you're listening to this after the fact, watching after the fact, welcome to. It might be Friday, might be later. Yeah, this is the news of the day. Local billionaire David Rubenstein reportedly, according to Bloomberg, the report on Thursday, in talks to try and buy the Baltimore Orioles. Now, that's all great, but there's another side to a sale, and that is John Angelos and the Angelos family agreeing to a sell. The first thing is, would they be willing? And as we know, Peter Angelos, who has been in pretty bad health really since 2017 when he had his first issue and and has not really been the controlling person of the Orioles since then. He has stepped away and John has been the one who kind of stepped in and then the owners approved him officially in 2020 to be the point person of the Orioles while Peter is sick. We found out when the Angelos family was suing each other and that fiasco back in 2022 when the lawsuit came out, we got to read all the documents and all the court proceedings. We found out that Peter Angelos' wishes are that once he passes away, his wishes are that John and you know, both his sons and his wife would sell the team so that his wife can relax, they can get the funds, and it would be kind of that era would be over. All of John Angelos' indications so far have been, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. Now, he could change his mind as soon as his father would pass away. And again, we don't know a lot about Peter Angelos right now, but we know, I mean, if he is still alive, he is, he's not in good health and hasn't been for years now, again, really since 2017. But does this signal, you know, is Peter's health declining even further? Is John thinking about potentially selling the team? Because if John is interested at all in selling the team, in terms of money-wise and taxes-wise, he should not sell until Peter passes away. And again, this is not my level of expertise, but it has something to do with the capital gains tax that if you sell away that asset of the Orioles after Peter dies you get taxed on that sale way, way less for the money that you would make. So essentially, John Angelos and the family would make a lot more money if they sell it after Peter dies versus if they sold it now, if he's still alive. So that's something to think about here, but those were Peter's wishes that they sell the team once he passes away. And there have been people kind of jumping in with varied interests pretty much since 2017 of buying the Orioles, right? And even David Rubenstein, a nice job by the Baltimore Sun digging this one up. He did an interview. Uh, it was like a panel he was on with Larry Hogan back in 2018. And there was like a joke made and Rubenstein was basically like, yeah, I would like to, you know, try and buy the Orioles. That was five years ago. Nice, nice uh, digging there from the Baltimore Sun. But we're at the point now where, yeah, they would have to accept an offer. And the evaluation is $1.7 billion, I think. If you really wanted to get it, you'd just go up to $2 billion and buy the team. But it would be, you know, something around $1.7 billion. That is what Forbes has approximated that the Orioles are worth. But it's not just all of that. You know, you are not just getting the team. You're also getting the lease. And that's a huge part of this. And I've seen a lot of people asking, you know, how does the lease play into this entire conversation? That's a really good question because... We are sitting here December 7th. The lease on Oriole Park at Camden Yards is up in 24 days. December 31st, the lease is up. We get to the new year, 
There's nothing. And there's been great reporting done by both the Baltimore Sun and the Baltimore Banner over the last few weeks as we get closer and closer to that deadline. Hayes Gardner had a report in the Sun this week that they're willing to basically go month to month. There was a report in the Banner and the Sun earlier this month that you know they're maybe looking at a short-term lease where maybe instead of signing the 30-year lease, they would sign another one-year extension. They would extend the deadline to December 31st of 2024 to give the sides, you know, the state and, and John Angelos, more time to negotiate exactly what they want. Now, what we've truly learned is that that memorandum of understanding, when they put the thing on the scoreboard on Clinchmas back in September, said we've signed a 30-year deal, that was all BS. That's what we've learned. And that's on Angelos. That's on Governor Wes Moore, who was there. That was complete BS. Yeah, they had a signing of something that's not binding at all. It's, um, it's not going well over there. But how does this play in, right? Would John Angelos be delaying this because he's trying to sell the team? I don't know how that would impact him positively or negatively, but it's a factor. It, it could certainly be a factor in this. The lease is something that's on everyone's mind, you would think, and you would hope they're working around the clock to get this thing signed before the deadline on December 31st. But... It could be a very different situation if you're a new owner coming in, if you've got a brand new lease and you don't have to think about it, or if you have to come in and immediately start to negotiate that lease. I feel like you would probably pay a little more money if you had the, okay, the relaxing feeling of we're signed for another 30 years here. So maybe that's the last thing Angelos is doing, right? Maybe he's interested in selling. Maybe Peter is on his last legs and maybe John's thinking, if my dad passes away, I get the lease done, and once I do it, I can sell to David Rubenstein. The other thing is the TV deals. Those are things that are becoming an issue around Major League Baseball. Some of the RSNs, the regional sports networks, are failing. MLB is having to step in and basically do an in-house broadcast of those teams' games. And that revenue that generally came from those RSNs, teams are losing it. You know, the Padres have felt some of that. Also, the, the death of their owner, Peter Seidler, was another part of that, but... They are losing money because they don't have that RSN. There's a couple other teams. The Diamondbacks have been hit by this. A couple teams are going to be hit by it in 2024. That's a big revenue stream. Angelos is also the sole owner, basically, of Massive, where he owns most of it, as the Orioles do, and John Angelos owns the Orioles. There's still the Massive fight. They settled the payment for the 2012 to 2016 period, and they were able to settle with the Nationals. But there's still another pay period that hasn't been figured out, the 2017 through 2021 period. And then there's the next period after that, which we're currently in, that they haven't figured out what the payment will be from Masson to the Nationals because it's just a bad situation between the O's, the Nats, and Masson right now. It is not good. I'm sure an owner would love for that to be resolved before they came in and bought the team. So that's something that hangs over the head here. But maybe... Someone not named Angelos could buy the team, come in, and just say this is what's fair and get it done because they're maybe not as much of a little baby as John Angelos is. So that is a huge, huge factor here. And the other thing is an owner has to be vetted by the other owners in Major League Baseball. Make sure they have the money. Make sure the bid is true. Make sure any other people who are jumping into the ownership group to help up the bid and give some of their money, make sure they're all okay the owners have to say, yeah, we'd like this guy to be in this fraternity of you know just these 30 people who own Major League Baseball franchises, and they have to be approved by the league as well. But I think David Rubenstein's got a lot of money, and he has a somewhat positive past that I think it would be pretty easy to get that approval. And here's the last thing. like When you're looking to buy a baseball team, 
it is a moneymaker, no matter what. No matter what John Angelos tries to tell you about how, oh, we'll lose money if we do this. No, every Major League Baseball team makes money, and they make a lot of money. David Rubenstein, who invests in tons of things that make money, wouldn't be trying to invest in this if it didn't make money. But it does. But a way to ensure you're going to make even more money is, hey, finding a team that has low costs right now, but has potentially a very, very high reward and is trending in the right direction. That's the Orioles. They might be the most coveted team. If you were to put all 30 teams on the market right now, I'd put the Orioles at the very least in the top 10, maybe top five of most coveted by people coming in wanting to make money because you've got an upward trajectory, right? The team is winning a lot. They are filling the stands more and more. People more and more are wanting to see the Orioles. And also, you've got a very cheap team. 29th payroll in baseball, yet second most wins in baseball in 2023. It's kind of the perfect recipe for an owner to come in and say, I can buy this. We don't have a lot of overhead costs right now. Maybe I can up the overhead costs. I can spend more on things around the stadium, on my employees, on free agents, on the payroll to make the team better. But it'll be easier to buy it at that point. Kind of makes it a perfect time to go buy the Orioles. And again, if Peter Angelos is maybe on you know his his waning time here, that that could be the case here. If John Angelos is willing to maybe not be the worst son in the world, maybe not be the absolute fail son that he's been his entire life, and maybe look at and accept and honor his dad's wishes, maybe he will sell the team. And if a guy like David Rubenstein, who apparently was interested at one point in, in buying the Nats and has shown interest in buying the Orioles and is a Baltimore kid through and through, grew up in the area, this could be the perfect fit because of how much money he has. And listen, if we're looking at a guy who spent $21 million, $21 million on a copy of the Magna Carta, I think he'd be willing to spend $21 million on Jordan Montgomery. I think he'd be willing to do both of those things. And here's the best part of it. He doesn't just spend $21 million on a copy of the Magna Carta to keep in his house and have it just for him. He spent that money on the Magna Carta, and then he put it in a museum so everyone could see it. We are in an unfortunate part of the world where a lot of these important historical documents and artifact are owned by private owners, and they keep them away from the museums. So some people have to buy them and donate them to the museums to be put on display. Doesn't that kind of feel like him saying, okay, I'm going to go spend $100 million on this free agent. I'm going to go out and give $300 million in an extension to Gunnar Henderson. But he's not just going to be for me. He is for all of Baltimore and the fans to enjoy watch playing baseball. Kind of lines up a little bit right there. And he's maybe willing to spend his money and allow other people to enjoy the way he's spending his money. That's not what John Angelos does. But maybe that's what David Rubenstein would do if he came in and took over this Orioles team. Now, we got to finish things up here. Coming up next. If you have any questions, leave them in the chat. I want to get to some questions, but also just want to talk about like how this will make things better, right? And some of it would be Rubenstein. He's got money. But a lot of it would just be getting rid of John Angelos, right? That's how we'll finish up the pod coming up next. So it's the news of the day in Birdland. Local billionaire, Baltimore native, Bethesda resident, David Rubenstein, co-founder of the Carlisle Group, 
has a whole bunch of money, $4.3 billion net worth, reportedly in talks to buy the Orioles. Bloomberg reporting it earlier in the day on Thursday. Jillian Tan of Bloomberg writing the story. We don't have a lot of information right now. Again, it's in the early stages. The report saying this could still fall flat. If it got done, it wouldn't be done until sometime in the middle of 2024. But this could be franchise-altering for the Orioles. Imagine, as long as this owner is still in on the vision of Michael Elias and his staff, you have all the player development that's been done with Michael Elias. And you add in an owner who wants to spend. That is how you get to the Houston Astros. I just finished reading Winning Fixes Everything, the incredible book, best baseball book, maybe best book of the year by Evan Drellick. Came out, it was the behind-the-scenes story of the Astros sign-stealing scandal. And there is a lot written about Michael Elias and Sigmidel as well. And you get a good look into Sigmidel and how the cheapness of John Angelos, yes, a lot of it is John Angelos, but some of it is Mydell and Elias as well. They are perfectly fine with running a low payroll. Actually, Sigmidel, there's a lot written about him in that book about how he likes the challenge of rebuilding a team. That is some of the reason why he left Houston to go to Baltimore with Elias. He'd much rather have the challenge of stripping it all the way down and building it back up using all player development. He basically had said things like, it's almost boring to go to a team with an owner who spends a lot of money. I don't want that challenge. I want the challenge of low payroll, strip it down and build it back up. So some of it is Sig and Elias as well making these decisions. But in Houston... The reason why eventually they started to spend money is because Jim Crane, the owner, wanted to get involved in the baseball decisions, but also wanted to spend his money. He really wanted to bring in the players he liked and spend his money on them. Now, I don't want an owner like Jim Crane who tries to make the decisions of which players the Orioles bring in. But in general, if you combine those two things, you get the Astros where the player development machine is crazy. And then you have Jim Crane, who's willing to spend to retain some players, bring in some free agents, make the big trades. That is what the Orioles could truly turn into. Instead of Angelo saying, oh, we're going to be the Brewers or the Rays or the Guardians. They could be the Astros if they get someone like David Rubenstein to come in and buy the team. And not just that, you would have an owner in Rubenstein who is very front-facing. He's very public. Again, he hosts two shows for Bloomberg. He's got this company. He, you know, might not be as involved in some of those things if he's owning the Orioles. You would hope that his number one focus is the Baltimore Orioles. So he'd probably step out of the limelight. He's, like, very much in it right now. But what I will say is he probably, with just the amount of time he's on the air, would say things that would get in the news for Orioles owner says this. But it still couldn't be close to the percentage of the words John Angelo says that are incredibly stupid. And I can't imagine that Rubenstein would come in and make the mass in dispute worse, right? That's what John Angelos has done. I don't think, and I don't know the David Rubenstein family dynamic, he, all we know about family-wise is he was married in the 80s, got divorced about five years ago, and he has three kids, and one of them helped run the Trump campaign in Alaska in 2016. But um, I don't think... And I don't know, but I don't think he's going to sue his own brother over ownership of the team, send it into the press, and be a giant succession-like fiasco. I don't think that would happen. I don't think David Rubenstein would yell at a reporter when it was open to ask him questions 
would yell at a reporter saying it's not appropriate to ask him about the finance of the team on Martin Luther King Jr. Day and that Dr. King wouldn't want that. I don't think a different owner would make a fool out of himself that much. I could be wrong, but that seems like mostly a John Angelos thing to say those exact words. It seems like a John Angelos thing to then double down in spring training and say, yeah, I'm going to open the books. You can come to the warehouse anytime, blah, 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 blah. And then again, not open the books at all for the media and kind of just continue to lie to the fans' faces. Billionaires lie a lot, but that seemed like a pretty special just John Angelos kind of thing. I don't see Rubenstein coming in and immediately saying, oh, we've signed the lease and put a big thing on the scoreboard and celebrate when none of it's true and you just want to take away the elation and the focus of this city that was on the Orioles that night as they were getting closer and closer to clinching the division for the first time in nine years and say, actually, let's turn all the focus to me. I'll just lie to 40,000 people in the stadium and you know hundreds of thousands watching at home that we signed the lease. You can think about me and not about the team on the field. Maybe he'd do it, but I don't think Rubenstein would do something like that. It seems like more of a John Angelos thing. I think we all know Rubenstein would be willing to spend more money on payroll than John Angelos. And I don't think Rubenstein would go to the New York Times and say, well, if we gave out an extension to one of our own players for more than $100 million, we would just all melt into a puddle. We'd have to evaporate as a franchise. We would just never be able to exist if, if, you know, God forbid we gave out $100 million, we would just, you know, we would go under financially, which was all a lie because they make tons of money and could easily do that. And he's worth $2 billion. But oh no, you know, if we give out an extension, we're going to have to raise ticket prices. Hot dogs going to be $75 if you want to have Gunnar Henderson play here for more than the next four years. Feels like that's mostly a John Angelos thing and some other owners in Major League Baseball. I would hope, because Rubenstein is a member of the media himself, at least in his Bloomberg shows and the interviews he does, he wouldn't suspend a beloved broadcaster for stating facts about the Orioles and the Rays on the air, accompanied by a graphic made by the production company that is owned by the owner himself that shows how bad the Orioles were against the Rays and just saying that they were, I don't think he would try to quietly suspend him and then try to put on the hot dog costume and say, we're all looking for the guy who did this. I don't know a lot about David Rubenstein, but again, that seemed like more of a John Angelos thing. This is all to say John Angelos has been very, very bad for the Baltimore Orioles. I've said it time and time again. And once again, I don't like saying nice things about billionaires. They don't generally do a lot of good things. But, but, it feels like at this point, anything would be better than John Angelos especially someone worth twice as much money and clearly from his past willing to spend more money on the things he likes. And if he likes the Orioles and wants to buy the Orioles, I think he's going to spend more money on the team. I think this move would be a huge W for the Orioles and for Orioles fans and for me as well. I think we all know I don't like John Angelos. Let's get him out of here. He is a circus. He is a clown every time he opens his mouth. And it seems things would go a little bit better if someone like David Rubenstein, not that I'm saying he's a great person and would be, you know, amazing and we'd all love him. It would be better, though, I think. I think it would. 
So we are going to certainly continue to follow this story here on the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Orioles. Email your thoughts, LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok at Locked.On.Orioles. We are on TikTok now. Thank you for jumping in on our back-to-back live shows because that's five shows the week unless more big news like this drops on Friday. Going to go ahead and uh, say it's probably it for the week. But if it does, we'll be back on Friday. If not, that'll do it for the week. We'll be back on Monday. We'll have a mailbag episode. Make sure to send in your questions for the mailbag. LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. And now I'm seeing in the comments, was the Reddit thing fake? It may have been. I will continue to investigate that one. Either way, the report from Bloomberg is real. And we'll have everything as the story develops coming up when we're back next week on the podcast. But until then, I am Connor Newcomb. Thank you so much for tuning into another live episode. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.